I'm Luke Story. I'm Christine Loria. I'm Natasha Kingsbury. I'm Angie Check. Hi, I'm Ricky Lake. I'm Dr. Aaron Eugwin McMorrow. I'm Ben Joseph Stewart. I'm Bliss Young. I am Dr. Jacob Egbert. I'm James Goodlatte. I'm Kyle Kingsbury. I'm Lily Nichols. I'm Mark Groves. I'm Sarah Gustafson. I'm Jesse Golden. I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbein. I'm Marin Green. I'm Kelly Brogan, MD. Je m'appelle Rick Safries, et c'est le podcast du gynécologue holistique. Hello, I'm Paul Check, and this is the Holistic OBGYN Podcast. Enjoy. Nicole Jardim's Mike guest today on the Holistic OBGYN podcast. She is an author. She is a writer. She has appeared in multiple films, most recently, The Business of Birth Control, which we get into in the interview. Um, if you haven't seen The Business of Birth Control, it's Ricky Lake and Abby Epstein's new film. You can screen it online. They're doing everything really from the lens of crowdfunding. So use code BELOVED50 and you can save 50% off the screening price. An amazing film. She's featured there because she's a certified women's health coach and she, you know, she walks the walk, she talks the talk. And I really wanted to have her on the show to talk everything about periods. Her book is called Fix Your Period. And through her book, you're going to get recipes on how to modify all sorts of attributes that play into the menstrual cycle, which of course has two phases. And as you go through those phases, your physiology changes, your mentation changes. It's in correspondence with the lunar cycles. And when we throw a synthetic hormone into the mix, or let's call it a synthetic endocrine disruptor, which is actually what birth control is, you start to mess with a whole bunch of things that are otherwise in a very, very delicate orchestration. So reading her book, you get an appreciation for how you might not only track your cycle, but track your your fertile window, perhaps even tracking your own health. Because if you're not bleeding predictably on a 13 times per year basis, roughly, there might be something going on upstream. So what Nicole's book and her work does is it helps you understand what should my period blood look like? How often should I be bleeding? Um, What are signs of ovulation and how much time between ovulation and menstruation? So I will let the conversation speak for itself. I think that Nicole's work is critical. Her book does it all so nicely. It tidies it up right into a bundle, has recipes and lifestyle factors that can impact how your cycle might change and help you get you right on, you know, on the right path. So I really, really appreciate Nicole's work. Um, I want to mention a couple of our sponsors before we get rolling here. The first is Fit for Birth. Fit for Birth has a compendium of online courses and through their online portal, you as a pregnant or postpartum woman could also get linked in with coaches that are certified and have done some extra training in uh, attuning the exercise regimens, nutritional advice to your pregnant or postpartum state. So James Goodlatte has been on the show. Go and check out my interview with him if you want to know more. But this guy, he's a, one of the original Czech practitioners, and he's put his entire, his entire career has been helping people learn how to coach pregnant and postpartum women. So if you're a coach out there and you want to deepen your toolbox, you can learn from them. If you're a woman looking for exercise and nutrition advice that is catered to you by somebody certified through Fit for Birth, you can also find that at their website. Go to Get Fit for Birth. That's all spelled out, F-O-R, not number four, dot com slash beloved. That's getfitforbirth.com slash beloved. And you'll save 20% through that portal on any of the offerings of Fit for Birth. 
The next sponsor is Fullwell Fertility. They make hands down the best prenatal vitamin on the market. Um, Ayla Barmer is a an LDN. She has developed their various products. They only have four products, and I'll tell you about them real quickly. But she not only developed them, she also oversees the entire manufacturing process. So quality control is the name of the game. And if you go to your grocery store and look at the backs of these bottles of vitamins, not only are you getting not getting that much nutrition, you're also getting all these other additives that are potentially harmful in and of themselves. So I always say start with a foundation, start with a healthy lifestyle, and take a prenatal vitamin as insurance. But don't take a crappy one you get at CVS. Go to fullwellfertility.com. Use code BELOVED10. You'll save on any of their products 10%. In addition to their highly regarded, renowned, well-publicized prenatal vitamin, they also have a Nourish Nerves Tonic, which helps calm the nervous system, helps make you more calm and at ease and relaxed at the end of the day. They also make a men's virility compound. It's all of those nutrients. You know, start eating oysters, spend less time in the sauna, lose the bike shorts, etc., and provide your body with the nourishment you need in order to make as many healthy modal swimmers as possible, men, especially if you and your partner are struggling with fertility. And then the last one is fish oil. They just rolled out their fish oil compound, um, their fish oil capsules. Can't recommend this company enough. You can save on all of their products using code BELOVED10 at fullwellfertility.com. And then the last one is a new, a new sponsor. It's HCC Immune Intel. They basically take... So it's a functional medicine compound. What they do is they take the mycelia of shiitake mushrooms and they culture them and then turn them into capsules. And as we know, functional medicine is, uh, well, functional mushrooms through the lens of functional medicine, functional mushrooms provide to the body a lot of important ingredients and important energetics in order to getting you back and, and working as well as you possibly could. And the last sponsor is Immune Intel HCC, developed by my friends Mimi and Chase of the Medicine Podcast. HCC stands for Active Hexose Correlated Compound. And what you really need to know about this is that this is, yes, it's made from mushrooms. It's a functional mood made from the mycelia of shiitake mushrooms versus what we always consider the important part is the fruiting bodies. Well, they're using mycelia of shiitake mushrooms. And there's a variety of immune-regulating benefits of Immune Intel HCC. It's been used for cancer, liver disease. It's also been well-documented through randomized control trials to help clear persistent HPV infections, which I think is really relevant here. So, you know, the, the way it goes is you, you, you're diagnosed with an HPV infection. What to do? Perhaps it was negative last time, now it's positive. Okay, the body's going to learn from this virus. There's a message here. So the body integrates it and eventually your immune system clears it. Well, if you're under high periods of stress in your life, if you're not getting enough sleep, you've got new kids in your life, maybe you haven't been eating the healthiest diet. Well, we're going to get all those things to work. We may even help you with pelvic steaming and whatnot. But one thing you can add to your regimen is Immune Intel AHCC, completely natural, again, derived from shiitake mushrooms. So it's not even just going to help you with your, with your immune system. It's actually going to help just getting your body through salutogenesis back to its state of vitality. So it can be helpful in treating Lyme, autoimmune conditions, cancer, acne, skin conditions, herpes, liver disease, and even medication-resistant epilepsy. So you can listen to my interview with the founders, Megan Lindquist and Chase Ramey, for more information. But if you're sold, if you want to try this out, support them. They're trying out a sponsorship with me. Go to The Medicine, that's the medicine without an E at the end of medicine.com slash products. Enter code BELOVED10, you'll save 10%. Um, support our sponsors, guys. It helps me continue to make the show. And I don't bring companies in with which I don't fully find myself in alignment. So 
Um, I am super happy to support these guys. Alrighty, my interview with Nicole Jardim is not one to miss. Please sit back, get yourself a hot cup of, of tea, and enjoy the show. Let's just kick it off. Nicole, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Nathan. I am honored. You very graciously sent me a copy of your book, and it has been the book now that is like sitting on... I have a shelf of the books that I reference frequently, and yours is now on the shelf. So you can you can know wow. that you're on the Holistic OBGYN's bookshelf now of five other, <laughs> 10 other books. <laughs> wow. I, I'm just... I'm blown away by this, <laughs> considering... How much OBGYNs don't seem to like me. <laughs> yeah, tell me about that. Yeah, I think you and I connected recently over somebody calling you out. I, we don't have to, we can call them out. I don't remember her name, but she's an OBGYN, has a big platform. Yeah. What was her beef? What was her beef? What is? What are people complaining about? You know, that's a great question. I feel like it's a bit loaded. <laughs> I, I think that for that particular video or call out or whatever you want to call it, she was sort of debunking birth control myths yeah. that are perpetuated online. And I don't consider what I was talking about to be a myth. I was talking about the benefits of ovulatory cycles, you know, no big deal. Uh, you know, and so she, and so she went on about how having ovulation doesn't equate to having those hormones that come from ovulation. It was a very right. strange argument. I did a response video to it. And so that's kind of how that went down, but yeah, that's kind of how we connected and it's I it's it's just ridiculous. It's just strange time right now. It's yeah. very very divided, and I really wish we could work together because that was the goal originally of the work that I do was to complement their work. Well, we should be thankful there are people out, out like you out there writing books like this because we don't have the time. And many people will say there's all these barriers. Yeah, there is. Like as an OBGYN, you don't have time to go through the entire menstrual cycle with every single person. And not that they would even want all of that information. So it'd be great if you could just be like, take this book home, read it. Let's let's book a, a con, you know another appointment in six weeks. We'll ask you know answer any questions. Let's try to get your cycle on track. Let's let's teach you a little bit more about your cycle, and then. When I start offering you drugs or surgery or whatever else I think as an OBGYN is helpful, you at least have a little bit more, you're a little more prepared for that conversation. But instead, we say, don't worry, take this pill. You don't have to have a pesky period every month. And there isn't, you know, a lot of women don't feel good about that, but they also went to the expert. Yeah. And it's funny how quickly an expert, I'm using air quotes on my end in case anybody is watching, you know, if, if, if you're watching this clip, but... I say expert with air quotes because I don't even consider myself an expert. And I've studied this for 20 years. I've got 500K in medical school debt. And it's so easy being the white man in a white coat. And mm -hmm. this person in particular was a white woman in a white coat in scrubs. They love wearing scrubs to show that they actually work in hospitals as if that's like a credential now. And they can so easily just flick you away by saying it's, it's, it's a myth. It's witchcraft. I mean, call it what you will. Over the years, we've, yeah, we've just used different language. You're a quack. You're not a yeah. doctor. You don't have the credentials. Well, doctor, since you haven't done that work and you haven't actually studied that even in your own medical education, fortunately, there are Nicole Hardeems out there that are doing the work that you could have been doing all along. And because it's now maybe dipping into where your expertise is supposed to fly, you just flick it away. It's myth or whatever else. What I always say is the burden of proof lies in the person who wants to deviate from nature. And all that your book does, which is called Fix Your Period, everybody out there needs to get it, is just teaching a person about the natural rhythms and flows of the cycle and your connection to nature, period. If that's a myth, 
then we in the medical establishment are not experts in anything. We're total losers. <laughs> <laughs> so if that person's listening out there, I got, I've got Nicole's back. You're going to have to come through me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say, I very much appreciate it. And this is so refreshing because it does constantly feel like a battle. I mean, she's yeah. certainly not the only one. She's not the first. This has happened multiple times and definitely not only to me, to so many of my colleagues. And it does feel like an uphill battle yeah. to really, um, to be able to sort of bridge this divide. And sure. if, it actually really feels impossible at this point, but you know, we just keep on banging our drums. <laughs> Banging your big witchy drum, you know, whatever, call it whatever you want. I mean, and that's, that's what people in the medical establishment want you to think is that these books out there are, they're leading you down a path where it's not evidence-based or anything else. Like I don't need evidence to teach you about the normal rhythms of how your endocrine system should work. That's not an area. That's not even the purview of evidence-based medicine. And we'll get into that. What this is about is, is teaching a woman, why might you want to be menstruating and how can you utilize your cycling whether or not you're having a regular predictable bleed, how could you use that and look through that lens to determine if something might be going on upstream? That's it. So it yeah. seems like rocket science and it's really quite darn simple. So let's talk about menstruation. Why is it important that a woman menstruates? Yeah, you know, I, I love this so much and I would expand and say menstruation that is associated with ovulatory cycles yeah. because there's just so much confusion and we'll definitely get to that too, I think, um, about what a period actually is due to the widespread misconception that one is having an actual period while on the pill. Uh, you know, so I think that that's a big issue as well, but the menstrual cycle is often dismissed as we know, and as such, it's poorly understood in our culture, but I really feel as you do that it's time that we as a society just move beyond this view, right? right. That menstruation is a curse or a negative thing in some way. And Unhygienic, yeah. Right? Pesky. Yes, exactly. I mean, we we know this, that there are so many words or euphemisms for your period, and they're all pretty derogatory yeah. for the most part. And so this changing of the perspective on this really natural body process for current and future generations is just, it's just non-negotiable at this point. And when we think about the menstrual cycle, how it's been viewed as this bodily process that happens solely for reproduction, yeah. that's the other viewpoint that really needs to change. And I, I do feel like it's shifting now that we're seeing more compelling research to support the system-wide benefits of having these consistent ovulatory menstrual cycles and, and regular um, periods. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what is <clears throat> what is the big difference between, you know, you're on birth control, you bleed every month. Why, why is that why is that so different? I'm playing devil's advocate here. Right. But why <laughs> is know. it different? Why are people attacking this? So <laughs> yeah. I you know, it's funny because I remember being put on the pill at like at 18, 19, somewhere around there. And I did the same thing. I was like, my period is regular now. It, I don't have pain. I don't have heavy periods anymore. So all of these things I assumed were attributed to the pill, quote unquote, regulating my cycle yeah. or regulating uh, the problems that I was having in my body. And, and I, I think that that's the, that's the myth that's perpetuated. And so when you're on the pill, essentially the pill, those, those synthetic hormones that are in the pill or contraceptive drugs, as they like to refer to in a more Endocrine controversial disruptors way. disruptors is what I call them. <laughs> yeah, there you go. 
I'm just, I'm trying to be nice, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. basically those hormones are shutting down this ovulatory process that we're having every single month. So you're not technically having a period, you're having yeah. a pill bleed or a hormone withdrawal bleed or something along those lines, but it's not a true period unless it follows ovulation. And again, I think that that is shocking to so many people. Yeah, totally. And when we prescribe pills, right, let's say you've got heartburn, we give you a pill that decreases the amount of stomach acid, right? Well, could there be a reason you have stomach acid? Yeah, of course. It helps you digest your food. It helps to sustain your microbiome. Like, it's not just reflux. And when you give a pill that disrupts one system, you're necessarily messing with this cascade of other problems that may crop up later. And then we give you another pill for that problem and another pill for this problem. And we put you on this path in birth control as an endocrine, a synthetic endocrine disruptor is no different. It messes with your microbiome. It messes with your immune system. It messes with your endocrine system. Otherwise, not to mention, it's a toxic synthesized chemical that you're putting into your body. Not to mention that for the vast majority of women like you, it sounds like you were put on a pill to regulate your cycle, but really it was to stop your cycle and give the impression that you're bleeding every month. And yeah. that also disconnects you from your natural rhythms and connection to nature. And we haven't ever investigated the problem that was upstream that was causing this dysregulation of your otherwise normal cycling. So we are, we are doing a, a great disservice to women by jumping right to these hormonal contraceptive methods without giving them perhaps the full scope of the pros and cons, which for me is a really, really important part of the conversation. Yeah, I could not agree with you more. I think that that's the thing that's missing the most ultimately is this lack of information. I saw a post you did the other day. I think you said it said something along the lines of um, over-medicated and undereducated. Yeah, yeah <laughs> and right. I right. Was, is that right? Yeah, I, it really struck me because I, I think that's really what it comes down to that we're we're just offered this as if it's you know the pill or any of these forms of contraception as if they're just benign devices or divine benign medications. And it's so frustrating because we always find out the hard way <laughs> and not all of us, but the majority of the women I've worked with find out this the hard way. They really have struggled in unbelievable ways yeah. after, you know, after being on one of using one of these devices or using the pill or something like that for a year, six months, 10 years, and they don't even realize it. Every single one of them says something along the lines of, I had no idea because no one ever told me to right. look out for these symptoms. Right. And right. so we're just majorly lacking in informed consent and education in general. Yeah. And, and to boot, uh, you know, a young woman who's on birth control for a couple of years, my wife has been through this. I mean, so many women who come to me as to get care as, you know, through my practice they say the right. same thing. Like I told my doctor about this, but they just said, oh, it's not supported by the evidence. It's not your birth control. It's something else. Well, what is the something else? Am I just expected to live like this with no libido and perhaps this veil over, over the world? And yeah. the reason we know that this is important is when you come off of birth control pills, how many women have told me that I was like alive again? Yes. So that right? should be like investigated. Black and white to technicolor. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yes. yes. You were in this film that Ricky Lake and Abby Epstein recently made called The Business of Birth Control, which I have become a huge advocate for because it does do a nice job of illustrating some of these experiences women have had. And they do focus a lot on the really, really bad things like the blood clots. Right. And, and that is definitely a part of our counseling. But the vast majority of women also are just experiencing not 
feeling themselves anymore. You know, we, we know that yeah. there's changes in the immune system, your major histocompatibility complexes, you, you have changes in your attraction to your partner. I mean, there is all sorts of things that could be talked about and investigated, but simply aren't because it's been so become so normalized to be put on hormonal contraception without this counseling that women go to other women and they're like, yeah, I experienced that too. So, so it becomes common and that's un- unfortunately mistaken for normal. Yep. And so we've normalized the pathology that is produced in the body from being on these things long-term. And so let's actually look now at what, what does the menstrual cycle look like? Because that's really what your program, your fixture period program helps to women not only learn about it, but to also help to fix it through some lifestyle modification. Walk us through the the menstrual cycle, just the the basics, so that anybody out there who's listening, if this is the first time they're hearing, they know the difference between menstruation, ovulation, and everything in between. Yeah, you know, I think that um, with menstruation, it's kind of one of these things that's been labeled as the star of the show for so long, but it really isn't. And I think that that is is sort of like one of the biggest lessons I want for people. It's really ovulation that we center around. And I think that if we could have more education around ovulation and its immense benefits, then we might make different decisions about our bodies. So for anyone who doesn't know your cycle, day one of your cycle is day one of your period. It starts, uh, you know, with, it should start with a sort of bright or vibrant red color typically. And if it doesn't, we'll talk about why that might be, but you're usually what I like to see is bleeding somewhere between three and seven days. And, um, and what is happening on a hormonal level is at that beginning stage of your cycle, your hormones or your sex hormones, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, are typically on the lower side. And as you move through that follicular phase and you move out of the bleeding, you're then moving towards ovulation. And what's happening is you have all of this hormonal fluctuation happening below the surface that we wouldn't even know about. And it's so incredible when you think about it, just what is being orchestrated right below the surface. And what's happening is estrogen is rising. uh, So is testosterone. And you're moving towards that ovulation um, event. And all there's so much hormonal interplay happening, not only with the estrogen and testosterone, but with AMH and FSH and LH, those hormones coming from your brain. And so this whole thing is happening, right? Like I said, in that first half of your cycle. So what that changes physical aspects of your health too, right? So your mood shifts and your energy increases and your cervical fluid changes. And I mean, there's so many incredible things. Your skin starts to look better uh, as estrogen peaks, and then you push towards ovulation and estrogen actually does peak. And then it facilitates this egg being released by the follicle on the ovary. And when that happens, that little follicle turns into what's known as a corpus luteum. And that is, I find that to be the most remarkable thing. The fact that we just make this tiny little gland (laughs) every single cycle. And, and that's, what's going to start pumping out progesterone. And in fact, and pumps out estrogen too, but it's mostly progesterone. And that's how we make all this amazing progesterone every mm. month. And that is going to dictate what happens with your cervical fluid and your mood and your brain function and your coordination and your gut health. I mean, so many different aspects yeah. of your health are impacted. And so once you pass ovulation, then your basal body temperature rises. You start to move into that second phase of your cycle, uh, which is the luteal phase. And then as we approach our menstruation again, 
then things start to wind down, right? So you lose, you start to lose your progesterone and that's what really triggers that uterine lining to be released. And so it's this remarkable cascade of, or, and fluctuation of all of these hormones that we just don't get when we're on the pill or when we've shut down ovulation via some other form of birth control. And, and I think that that's really, like I was saying before, such a disservice, but that's really what's going on. And like I said, it's not so much about your period. It's really about how can you have this, not only ovulation, but like a high quality ovulation where your corpus luteum is so healthy and it's pumping out the maximum amount of progesterone so that you feel amazing throughout your cycle. Yeah, they, uh, thank you for that. That was beautifully done. Um, I don't think I could have done it better for sure. <laughs> I always get <laughs> into so the funny. weeds there and I'm like, and then this cell and then these cells. You're like, I mean, that's exactly what a woman could know. And that alone tells you just how carefully this system is orchestrated. And it's not a system. Yeah. It's multiple systems. Your adrenals are involved. Your thyroid is involved. Your liver, your immune system, your brain, all of these systems are working in this perfectly orchestrated way. And what I always tell people is, if we consider, um, let's consider menstruation the winter. You move through the follicular phases, the spring, ovulation, that's summer. That's when like everything's vibrant. You're feeling it. You want to go out for your runs. Like you're, you want to go sweat. And then you go into the fall and then you, of course, of course, approach winter again if that egg doesn't get fertilized. And what I ask somebody is, if we think we can recreate that cycle with a single pill that you're taking every single day, it would be like, building a little glass dome and trying to recreate the four seasons and for those plants in there to be fully under the impression that we are going through four complete seasons of a cycle. It's just yeah. not, it's, it, that sounds ridiculous to people, but, but then again, the same smart brainiac people that are coming at you on, on Instagram or whatever are like, it's no different. Like, how could it not be different? Yeah. That's <laughs> it's the argument. beautiful. Yeah. It's a beautiful yeah. system. Yeah, that's, I think what is so frustrating for people like me and you is that this is the argument. I mean, that was part of her argument was that you're on the pill. So those hormones are being replaced right? and, and that's it. And there's no conversation about those synthetic hormones being not like your hormones at all, really. And having in fact, quite different effects on your body than your, your endogenous hormones would have. So it's this very strange gaslighty thing that happens where we know that that's not the case, but our clients and patients don't know. And so they're just sort of taking that at face value. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So let's then talk about, should we talk about like what these hormones do in our body? Yeah. I mean, let's that's do a, that. The right. Cause let's I, do I feel like that's another thing because again, like, right. We were just saying these, these synthetic hormones, they don't really, you know, they, they do help. Obviously, like if you have no hormones versus those, then it's probably better. But the, what we real, we are missing out on is the effect of estrogen and progesterone on our brain health and our cognitive function, right? Cardiovascular health. Yeah. Yes. And our cardiovascular health and our sleep regulation. This is why oftentimes women in menopause or in low estrogen states, like towards the end of your cycle, you can't sleep well. Uh, You know, both of those hormones support your sleep. And then there's bone density, which again, we see this oftentimes in women who have endometriosis and they're put on something like Lupron, which, you know, basically destroys your estrogen completely. And, you know, and they end up with severe osteopenia or osteoporosis. At like 30. (laughs) 
I mean, l- yeah. I have seen teenagers yeah. with osteoporosis. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. And so, you know, this is the same too, right? If someone has been on the pill for a long period of time, uh, you know, or they have amenorrhea after being on the pill, it, they just don't have enough of that estradiol. They, they end up in that state. And um, like you said, heart health, cardiovascular health, the breast and uterine health, yeah. our vaginal health. When Cervical I think about health, the fact, everything right? is like under everything. the influence. Yeah. Yes. Our estrogen supports our vaginal microbiome diversity. Yeah. So like, vaginal tissue, lubrication, I could go on. Yeah. And, and then our skin and our hair. And I don't think a lot of people realize, but I, when I came off the pill, I had melasma all over my face and I was probably 24 and beyond mortified. And what I didn't, I had no idea estrogen played a role in like skin thickness and firmness and elasticity <laughs> and all that, or hair follicle health. Yeah. Hello. Who knew my yeah. hair was falling out like crazy, but no one ever said anything. No one ever connected it. Uh, but both of those, you know, play a role and progesterone does as well. It regulates um, melanin production so that if you have progesterone typically you won't have these kinds of skin issues. So yeah, I had no progesterone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it makes sense. But yeah, like there's just, and, and that to me is just a snapshot, right? Of all the ways that these hormones that come from our ovulation consistently happening uh, can benefit our overall health or are vital to our long-term health. And yet, this is all overlooked most of the time. Yeah, totally. It really is. Uh, it's either fortunate or unfortunate, depending on what lens you're looking through at just how complex the human organism is, you know? And yeah. and this doesn't even mention, you know, the part, the critical part about disconnecting women from the cycles of the cosmos. I mean, astrologically, the lunar cycles, you're supposed to have 13 cycles per year. And many women are experiencing maybe three or four per year. And that could be whether or not they're on birth control. The point being that if we are shutting down this axis of all of these important hormones, and hormones, guys, go into cells easily compared to a lot of other things, they can turn on or off genes. So it's not really your genes that are at play. It's actually your hormones that are driving, as well as many other factors that affect the hormones or the cells directly, but really driving what is the blueprint actually going to produce on this day or this month or this year of my life. When we try to simplify that, and reduce the body to just the sum of parts, these organ systems. And we try to say, oh, estrogen and progesterone, we, we know those are important. Let's create those in the lab, give them to you, and then tell you everything's just fine. It is no surprise that so many women are coming up short and realizing that, gosh, you know, for those five years when I was on birth control, I felt my worst. But hey, I didn't have mm-hmm. that pesky period. And that's all that the doctor really is focused on is like, hey, I did my job. I'm a hero. I, I, I got you off of that pesky thing that you, wasn't, you weren't able to predict before. So, so yeah, it comes down to trying to mimic nature. We, we are never going to outsmart nature. It's infinitely intelligent and our bodies are infinitely intelligent. So you have this program, you help try to help women get on track. What is the primary reason people come to you and how do you help them implement this program? What's, the, what's step one for them in order to, to start implementing some of this? First of all, I would say that most people who come to me have been through many years of trying different things within the conventional medical paradigm, and they are immensely frustrated, as you can imagine, but they've oftentimes you know, seen many different doctors. They've gone to uh, specialists potentially, and in most cases, they've been offered birth control, many different types of birth control. I've had clients who've done like 14 different types of birth control. It's craziness. And, and then they have potentially gone to a more integrative doctor 
what I have found, at least in my experience, is that oftentimes they're being offered a lot of supplements and they're not really doing what I consider to be the foundational pieces. And that's really where I I think that we we get a little tripped up, right? Because I, I think what happens is we just want to have we want that quick fix still. We're still seeking that. And I understand completely because who's got time for these problems? Nobody. Um, But I I really do think that that's one of our biggest issues. And so they'll come to me because they really just want to get to the heart of the issue. And, um, and they, they obviously have period related problems, but clearly they've got other systems that are out of whack that are causing the period right, problems. And right. right. Cause that's the thing that we I've, you know, I've talked about this for years, this idea that your menstrual cycle is the canary in the coal mine. It's, it's going to be the thing that really tells you first what's going on, even though there's other things that are happening and you just might not notice. I think because we live in a society that sort of really perpetually normalizes uh, you know, the lack of sleep or poor sleep or yeah. not getting enough sleep and uh, not feeling rested or just constantly being tired and being busy and needing massive amounts of caffeine to just Eating get through the, the day. Go, just put the fuel in and get your work done. Yeah. Productivity over <laughs> <Yeah>. anything. <laughs> exactly. Right. I know. So, so really what we're doing in many cases is um, we're starting with food because obviously what you eat is really important and it creates the foundation for pretty much everything. And a lot of people will say, oh, but what about stress? And of course, stress is so huge. And it's not, you know, not that it's not as significant as your diet, but what I'm really saying is that we need these specific nutrients to support the body systems that handle stress, our HPA access and various other systems. So if you have those nutrients, then you're definitely much more um, adept at handling the stress, like the emotional stress that's coming at you. So we really do start with food. And a big part of it is not only what you're eating, but how are you eating? Mm. (laughs) That's a really huge part of the equation because what I found is that we'll be like, oh yeah, well, you know, I got a, I had a smoothie for breakfast. So I'm, you know, I feel like I'm good there. And what I find is that, well, maybe you had the smoothie, but it might not have been enough protein to keep your blood sugar stable. And also how did you eat that smoothie? Were you like rushing out the house (laughs) as you were having that smoothie? And, um, you know, were you like basically rushing to work or standing up at the kitchen counter? Although I do that more times than I care to admit, but anyway, (laughs) Um, I'm not stressed when I'm doing it, Hashtag but you know, like, are life. you, <laughs> I know we all like, we have things that we need to work on, I guess, but you know, are you at your desk? What are, what are you doing? And if you're eating in this stressed environment, it just becomes so much harder for your body to feel relaxed and safe and able to properly digest the food that you're eating and absorb the nutrients that you're consuming. And I think that that's really what this comes down to. It's sort of like, a deconditioning, a reprogramming that we do where, yes, we're looking at the food that you're eating, but we're also looking at, does your body feel safe? Because our bodies just need to feel safe and well-fed to optimize ovulation and our hormonal health. And so that to me is the foundational component um, that I think is often overlooked. Yeah, totally. Starting with food is hard enough. I I tend to incorporate movement and you mentioned sleep, hydration, 
breathing? Like, are you taking full breaths during the day? And then the mindset, the the mindset of like, I don't have enough. I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. I don't have a great relationship. I am afraid to talk about these things with certain people or whatever. Like that is all like, we're talking like Maslow's hierarchy. We're on the very, very bottom rung now where people don't Mm -hmm. even feel like they're enough or they have enough time in the day or the whatever. and, And they compromise the inputs to their body, you know, sacrificing maybe whole organic foods, a fully nutritious diet with whatever is going to keep them going because they're under a, a work deadline or something like that. And so our society doesn't really make it easy to make these adjustments, which is why it's nice that there are programs out there. And I even tell people like, <clears throat> before you pay to work with me, get a couple of, of these books and just like start somewhere, start eating a little more vegetables or upgrade your beef from like the poorest stuff to like less meat and just eating higher quality meat. I mean, it's like, where can we start? So anybody who's listening out there, this can be very, very confronting because we all have, even when we have resources, we've got, I've got a little seven month old who I'm trying to feed with this arm. And then I've got the two year old over here who's chucking food. And my wife is running around trying to keep other things, you know, everything, the ship, you know, afloat. And it's really, really hard. So I want to acknowledge that this is hard. And if you're dedicated to the task and you want to start becoming a little bit more intentional with how you're living, this is not rocket science and it oftentimes isn't even expensive. It's really a matter of just being thoughtful about how we're taking care of ourselves. And the body through salutogenesis will start to con- start to kind of rewire those, those hormonal feedback loops and whatnot and you'll be on your feet. It just is going to take a little time, which is sure going to be a lot harder than taking that pill that's, that promises you all these things that, that the doctor presents. So true. So while we're doing the lifestyle modification, I think fertility awareness methods like cycle tracking, cervical mucus tracking become important. Can you talk a little bit about how you utilize some of the sort of um, awareness of some of these components of the menstrual cycle you've mentioned? How can, how can a person start to track that? Or um, maybe that's a, a bigger question than you're prepared to answer on the show, but maybe dive oh. into that a little bit, because I think that's an important part of education that's lacking, for, even for women who are seeking it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's what you said. I think what you were saying about, uh, things feeling overwhelming and oftentimes they feel overwhelming because we, we don't have knowledge around it. We don't know where to start. Uh, we don't have just a baseline, uh, understanding of, of that particular thing. And I think cycle tracking is certainly one of those, (laughs) one of those things. And, and even with food, like you were saying, it's, it's really back to basics. I, I really encourage people to just to build on what you said, to not get so hooked into labels and certain diets and all the dogma around food. It just doesn't need to be that way. Our bodies really evolutionarily speaking are craving simple. They don't need complicated foods like, you know, like a smoothie with 10 different things like camu camu powder, or, you know, like, (laughs) although I love camu camu powder, so I shouldn't say that. Maca spirulina. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. Right. I know all of it. or whatever. (laughs) Bee pollen. (laughs) Right. I know. I mean, I used to be one of those people who would spend an inordinate amount of time making a morning smoothie with like 12 different things in it. And it was exhausting. And, um, and I, I really think that our bodies are just craving the protein, the fat and the carbohydrates. That's really what we need. And if we're getting enough of that, 
cravings for other things disappear, sure. our energy changes, our blood sugar stabilizes, we just feel better in our bodies. So it is really about the simple things. And, and I, I always encourage people to start at step one versus yeah. jumping to step five with 20 supplements and, you know, really complicated testing because testing is another one where we've gone way oh, off yeah. the deep end. Oh, yeah. And that's some where oftentimes people come to me and they'll say, oh yeah, well, I've, I've done this testing and this testing. So I don't have a lot of money to spend. I'm like, well, how much money have you spent on testing? And they've spent like two grand on testing. Yeah, exactly. When, right. And it's so unnecessary because like you said, buy the book and do a few of those things before paying to see someone, because that person's going to tell you to do all that stuff anyway. Right. And so it's really, really a good idea to, to really focus in on that unless you feel like you need one-on-one help. And I get that too. But, um, and of course I've like gone off, Oh yeah. A tangent. And now I know where I am. Okay. So cycle tracking. (laughs) Welcome to my life, Nicole. This is how I live my every day. What the hell was I doing? Oh where my are my God, pants? What was yeah. happening? I know. It's true. It's like, where are my car keys or all the things? But so with cycle tracking, I think the same applies. So someone will come to me and they have no idea. They don't know anything about their period, whatever. And oftentimes I feel like that's becoming more and more rare because we're definitely becoming more educated about how sure. our cycles work. So I would say what I find is that if you can just track the basics, like when does your period start? When does it end? How much are you bleeding? You know, even if you're just putting into an app that you're it's light or medium or heavy flow based on how often you're changing pads or tampons sure. or period underwear or a cup, those kinds of things can be so helpful to you and to develop an understanding of your baseline, your unique patterns right. for your menstrual cycle. So I, I feel like that's a good place for people to start. Like how long is your entire menstrual cycle? Do you have pain? Do you experience mood issues? And do you see other symptoms like acne? or skin rashes or anything like that, that correlate with where you're at in your cycle. So I would say those are some of like the fundamentals that we should all be paying attention to. And once you have that, start to have that data, you start to see patterns. Yeah. People are like, oh, wait, I get migraines at ovulation and right after my period starts. Hmm, interesting. Okay. I just had this conversation with a friend yesterday. And, and so she was like, what does that mean? Does that mean I'm estrogen dominant? I'm like, no, not necessarily. <laughs> um, and I, I think that that's another really confusing point for people as well is all these different hormone imbalances. Yeah. They're so confusing. Everyone's like, do I, am I progesterone deficient? Like, what does this mean? Like, what do these symptoms mean? I'm like, well, they likely mean that you're not eating enough food. You're not eating enough protein and fat and carbs and, or you're eating too many processed foods or you're too stressed. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're like, you have this specific deficiency because all the hormones work together and you know, you don't just have one hormone imbalance. That's not how they work. So I think that that is really something that I'm committed to talking about more because I, I feel like there's just, it's, it's created so much confusion, I think amongst women. Yeah. So anyways. So that's what I think about cycle tracking as basics, but there's more. But anyway, <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it's the basics. It's really like we start somewhere. We just start by observing yeah. how long are the cycles and the cycle, as you mentioned, it starts with the first full day of blood flow in menstruation. And it's it's the cycle continues until you've got the first full day of flow in the next period. Um, if that's more than like 35 days, we're probably are looking at something going on there. If it's less than 21 days, give or take, you know, maybe we got something there to work on. The first part here is for you to start becoming more aware of how you feel during the different 
periods of, you know, stages of the cycle, I should say. And I also wanted to add a little caveat there, not a caveat, but to add on what you were saying about functional lab testing, this is becoming an entire industry in and of itself. It's following along this biohacking trend where I don't need to actually know about me or work on the basics because I can hack my way out of any issue. You can't, I can't work with your functional labs or talk about your amalgam fillings or any, any of the other cool stuff that is fun to talk about, not to mention like the, the mental, etheric, emotional, spiritual components of conception or well-being if you're not just eating as well as you can, given your limited resources and your limited time, you're not sleeping at least seven to nine hours a week, uh, a day, <laughs> a week. That's how I felt right. in the past. <laughs> it's not a good look, guys, to sleep yeah. seven to nine hours a week. You got um, a newborn. I get that. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it was actually in residency. I ended up in profound oh, adrenal right. fatigue. And I was like, I got the, I had the abs. I was, I looked good. <laughs> and I fell flat on my ass. Uh, it was like in rigors a couple of times. And my wife was like, what is going on? And I was like, I better go to the doctor. And they were like, everything's fine. The labs look great. And I was like, everything's not great, guys. This is, you guys are missing something. So I ended up self-diagnosing and working through that. But, you know, the, for me, you could have done a, a million dollars worth of functional labs and it wasn't going to get me to sleep more or to, I was eating pretty well, but being in the hospital, you have junk food that's floating around and, and, right. you know, your body just starts falling out of whack and you have to start with the, let's just start with fundamentals, sleep, eat well, move well, try to cut back on the alcohol that you're drinking every night to numb out all the, the, the stresses of your job and your kids and, and, right. you know, start reflecting inward, drinking clean water. Like it's all basic. If you come to me with $2,000 worth of labs and you're not doing those basic things, I'm going to say, let's pause. Let's put these labs on hold. Let's start working on the fundamentals. And I bet if we repeated those labs without us even looking at them, yeah. the second set's going to be better. So that's where the fine tuning comes in. This is yeah. just a matter of getting the the basics down. Yeah. I feel like this is exactly what I do. And the questions I ask uh, you know, anyone who comes to me is, is very similar. Like, are you eating three meals a day? And you know, this yeah. for whatever reason is controversial because of all the fasting recommendations, yeah, but sure, sure. it's not controversial that women need to eat. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. I Amen. mean, this is shocking to some, but really, uh, you know, three meals a day. Are you doing that? Are you snacking it, you know, one or two times a day? Cause sometimes that's what we need to get things to the point where we feel more stable, you know, and like you said, are you sleeping? Are you sleeping well? Are you sleeping seven to nine hours yeah. a night or whatever it is you feel that you need to actually feel rested without paying attention to that person out there who's like, well, you only really need six hours of sleep when you're the doing science XYZ says and, whatever. It's like, how are you doing on five hours of sleep? <laughs> are you doing okay? Right? Well, the data doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't apply to you. <laughs> yes, exactly. I know. Right. We we're dealing with human bodies here and yeah. You know, are you going to the bathroom every day, yeah, yeah. Uh, one to two times a day? And what does what do those bowel movements actually look like? What do they look like according to the Bristol stool chart? Like, are they a number four or five, which I think are the the normal ones? And you know, and like, what about stress mitigation? Like, what's yeah. happening there? Yeah. And are you moving yeah. your body? So these are just five very basic questions that. I am going to say that most people can't say yes to all of them. <laughs> and yet they're spending insane amounts of money on testing and crazy amounts of supplements and, you know, all the things. Yeah. And then, and I just, it's really annoying to me. Yeah. So yeah, like you, you're just like, let's get back to the foundations. And we, get I get it that the foundation is not fun to build. No. We want to decorate the house. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> I understand, mm -hmm. but it's, it's really 
is going to be what moves the needle. Yeah, yeah, totally. <clears throat> so as a, as a person becomes more aware of their cycle, they're going to probably notice, start to notice changes to cervical mucus, changes of the color of their blood, um, especially as they start implementing some of the components of your work. And maybe can you talk a little bit about some of the factors that might influence, let's say three things, lubrication in the vagina. Yes. Um, and I'm talking about lubrication the way people are thinking about it, but you have, you have different glands around the whole vulva and, and vagina in the cervix, et cetera, that are going to be producing different things. But let's talk about one, the, the first thing being lubrication with intimacy. Let's talk about that mm -hmm. if you can. And then the, the second one would be the color and the quality of your menstruation. We're talking about the blood that is coming from that lack of fertilization. You get the drop in progesterone and now you're bleeding if you're spotting, if it's brown, et cetera. And then the third thing would be the cervical mucus consistency, which is actually critical for sperm to travel up and meet an egg. And these yeah. these kind of play into fertility awareness. But can you just want to take a stab at, at either of those and we'll go from there? Yeah, I mean, well, I'll start with the menstrual blood because I, I think that that's one of the big questions that just sort of is floating about a lot. And I, you know, I would say with menstrual blood, I, I'll never forget, actually, it was years ago, but I remember um, someone was asking me about uh, period underwear and which ones are the best period underwear for like bulky, clumpy periods with lots of clots. And I was like, wait a second, what? <laughs> wait. And so, <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> let's, let me, let's talk about the, the bulky periods first. Forget the period underwear, because I think that that's it's something that is very overwhelming to people. And, yeah. and I, I, I don't really think that our periods start out in puberty that way. I mean, yes, they do to some degree, but I, I think that this develops over time. Mm -hmm. And so when you have, you know, your menstrual blood is supposed to flow. And so in my book, I just said that, you know, it's supposed to sort of be the consistency of maple syrup. And so it flows, but it doesn't flow like water flows. <laughs> it flows a little bit slower and uh, and it's a little bit thicker. And, and I think that if we are not flowing and we're bulky, smashed blood clots, uh, that you know is, is indicative of something going on. And then on the flip side of that, if we're really not flowing at all and we're really we're just spotting, that's also a sign that something is not quite right. Yeah. And then in terms of the color, really, like I said before, you really want your period to start with this saturated red color. You don't want it to be. Uh, you know, this like super dark or, you know, like brown or rusty or feeling pasty. And then on the flip side of that, you don't really want it to be like light pink or, uh, you know, watery either. So it's really, it's a Goldilocks thing. And, and so, and then the red, you know, it can be, there's various colors of, or shades of red, obviously. And so there's that darker and then there's the bit lighter. And, and so we're kind of going for that. And so if it's really dark, it just really, honestly, all it means is that it's slower moving blood, right? It's like either at the beginning or the end of your cycle is where you'll see it most. And oftentimes what I've found is that slower moving blood has something to do with something going on structurally in many cases. Uh, you know, your pelvis, your uterus, or sorry, your uterus is, is flexed or in this tipped position. So that just may slow down um, the flow of menstrual blood leaving. And then of course it slows down, it oxidizes, it becomes browner. Um, and so it doesn't necessarily mean there's anything really wrong, but it is something to pay attention to if you have 
a lot of pain with your period, or you have like a lot of lower back pain. Uh, and you know, so things like that, I feel are important to pay attention to. And that's the thing, right? It's never just one thing. <laughs> I feel as though everyone will say things along the lines of, well, like, what's this one thing mean? And I can't really say because it could mean multiple things. And there are usually multiple other right, things tied in right. with the one thing, <laughs> so, which yeah. is why there's also not one it's not like you take this magic pill that you get on some Amazon or some fancy pharmacy or some one of these supplement companies that's becoming really big. Like that one thing is probably not going to fix the thing that's causing this issue because it's not just one thing causing the issue. So, right. Yeah. I mean, you, it's you totally, a good bridge. It yeah. might be a good bridge. It might be a good bridge. Thing. Totally. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And sometimes we need that. And I really do understand that. And I, and I was the same way too for a long time. So I get that. So that's kind of what's going on with, the blood. And I think if you're on that side of like very dark and clumpy and pasty and things like that, that to me just signifies there's some sort of pelvic congestion. And I know that's not very scientific, but uh, you know, what I found is that things like castor oil packs and vaginal steaming work really well and, um, and stretching and, and not sitting hunched over <laughs> in your chair all day because you're kind of just smooshing all those organs to begin with. So really thinking about how can I open that area uh, for lack of a better term. And then, like I said, on the other side of that, Usually there's like an estrogen deficiency, but it's not really the estrogen deficiency that's the problem so much as it is what's causing the estrogen deficiency to create those watery or scanty periods that are just like light in color. And yeah, yeah you know, is that iron deficiency? Is that other nutrients? What's, you know, what's going on there? Are you ovulating or not, are you even ovulating? Yeah, because right, that of course right. is a big contributor to whether you have enough estrogen or not. And the adrenals of course is a major source yes. of estrogen. So ugh, pregnenolone being this mother hormone at the adrenals, like we could go down that rabbit hole as well. So sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm so glad you said that. Cause I was done, <laughs> but I agree the adrenals, right? I mean, that's the thing that we, we, our adrenals and our, our thyroids play such a massive role in our menstrual cycles and they're just completely not even talked about <laughs> at all, yeah. which is ridiculous because yeah. as you said, there are you know, so many of these, these top tier hormones are, are manufactured in our adrenals. And if your adrenals are burnt out or not functioning the way I, I say burnt out, it's, you know, colloquial, I suppose, but <laughs> if they're not functioning the way that they're supposed to, yeah, absolutely. That's going to have this downstream effect on your sex hormones, which is really problematic. And like I was saying earlier, our society glorifies adrenal fatigue yeah. and productivity adrenal dysfunction, or bust. Right? Yeah. <laughs> we should, we should make a t-shirt productivity over pregnenolone. That'd be a fun t-shirt. We could collaborate on that. <laughs> I think we should. I think we need a whole line. <laughs> That'll be our first one. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's so so, good. so for, for anybody out there who doesn't understand how the adrenals work, I'll try to make it very simple for you because I teach this quite a bit. Imagine cholesterol is converted to something called pregnenolone. And that pregnenolone in the adrenal cortex goes along three pathways as it gets deeper into the adrenal cortex, which is the coding, the cells that are really the, the main game changers in fertility. It starts with the production of your salt-regulating hormones, the uh, aldosterone, aldactone, etc. If there's enough left over, which there generally is, it goes down the pathway to make glucocorticoids, which is your cortisol, your corticosteroid, etc. If there's a left, enough pregnenolone left over, the body's like, hell yeah, let's make some sex hormones. The problem with that is, and the sex hormones include DHEAS, testosterone, dihydrotesto, all of those other fun things, and 
estrogen. If you are in a state of stress, your body's going to prioritize the salt and the sugar regulating hormone production pathways at the expense of those things that are going to go into reproduction and libido and all that other well-being and vitality stuff. And that's important because you only have so much pregnenolone to go around. So something called pregnenolone steel is how it's been termed. It's been debunked by all the brainiacs out there who have terrible sex lives themselves. But it actually is real. If your body is in a state of stress, you're going to be making way more cortisol. And in order to have the resources to keep up production with cortisol because you're up 18 hours a day typing away in a computer under bright lights something's got to give. And the thing that gives, because aldosterone is so important, is your sex hormones. So the libido, your fertility, you, you may find that you're suddenly in a state of anovulation because the body is wise. It's like, whoa, we don't have enough resources or time to have a baby right now. We got to stay on productivity mode, productivity over pregnenolone. So um, I just wanted to illustrate that for people that, again, this is another complicated system, but if you give your body the right resources and you can slow down a little bit, the adrenals will start working again. It'll communicate with all these other endocrine systems. It'll get back on track, but we have to start with the fundamentals. Continue, yeah. Nicole. <laughs> no, this was, that was so good. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things here. I think the first thing is um, that we, we want that to be fast. And I, I think that everyone has to remember that this takes time. Yeah. And it took 10 it years really to get into this time, function. Right? It's going to take a long time to get back. Yeah. Oh, totally. I know. And I, I do often say that on online, I'm telling women that, you know, for every year you've had a problem, give yourself one to two months of healing. Sure. And, and then of course, everyone you know inevitably freaks out and they're like, but it's been 20 years. I'm like, well, maybe it's going to take two years, which is a minute amount of time compared to how long you've been in a state of dysfunction. Yeah. And, and so I, I think that yeah, it's a complete paradigm shift for people because we, again, have gotten the message from the time we're children, right? As you know, you go to the doctor when you're sick and you get cough medicine or you get antibiotics or whatever. And so it's really drilled into us from, from a young age that that's what you do to get better. Yeah. And uh, and when you're older, yeah, the cervical fluid is is one of those things that is also potentially confusing to people. And when I say that, I just mean that they don't really know how to differentiate between like the sticky and the tacky and the creamy and the egg white and the watery. And, and so I always just say, when you start to notice the cervical fluid in your underwear, or just when you're checking down there, uh, that's when you, you start paying attention. Like that's when you're potentially fertile. And so you just need to track that info. And even if it means that you're just saying, I noticed some white stuff <laughs> in my underwear today, then put that in your app. Yeah. And over time, you'll start to see what, you know, see your own pattern. And, and then oftentimes if you've been on the pill for a long time, you might not see that for a while. Like you really might need to build up your reserves. Sure. I just think, you know, I, I, I want everyone to remember that their ovaries are just like these little mitochondrial powerhouses, you know, they're, they need, they need all the nutrients and they need all the safety and the security that you can give them. And to keep in mind too, that those cervical crypts are essentially like they're defunct when you're on the pill because yeah. they're right. They're just not working because you're not ovulating. So you're not producing the fluid in response to that hormone uh, fluctuation. So yeah. that's something for people to think about too. Yeah. What we actually know about birth controls on the cervix is quite interesting. First off, we know that people who have been on birth control for a long period of time, they probably have a lower likelihood of ovarian and breast cancer, but 
they actually have a higher risk of cervical cancer. And it's probably twofold. One is that birth control, these synthetic hormone disruptors, the endocrine disruptors, they actually impact the architecture of the cells. So the cells in the cervix can be either columnar or squamous, like the skin cells. And it causes a change in the actual appearance of those cells if you were to take a little sample and put it under a microscope. So that's actually that's actually important because those cells, in how they organize themselves, they do form crypts and they can actually have more or less secretion. And for a person who's on a birth control pill for a long time, they may be predisposing themselves to HPV infection. But then the second part is the HPV normally is cleared by the body, even the high-risk strands. But if your immune system is, is, is out of whack because you've been taking the, the, the especially the birth control pill, you've, your immune system, which 80% or so lines the, intestine, the intestines, you've now dysregulated the immune system, and now your body is actually predisposed to infection that can't be cleared by the otherwise healthy immune system. Yeah, that was amazing. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so again, we now see these, these synthetic endocrine disruptors are having also are at play in how you might be able to engage with fertility awareness methods. And it might take your body time to get back into a state where you do have a healthy balance between squamous and columnar cells, these crypts, the secret, the secretions, et cetera. So, so if you're out there and this is puzzling to you and you've been on this journey, you're not alone. A lot of women are going through this. And fortunately, there are people like me and Nicole to help you out. <laughs> so true. Wow, that was so good. Oh, cool. Thanks. I'm glad you like it. Yeah. I, if I pass the fix your period gals test, I can, I think I can, I <laughs> God, can, uh, please. I can, we can have a whole new board certification and I can, uh, <laughs> you're hilarious. You're like again. a genius, Nathan, please. <laughs> Um, oh my gosh. Well, thank you. That's very kind. Let's talk a little bit about the... Can we talk about fertility a little bit? And I'm sure a lot of people come to you because they want to figure this out so they can help themselves conceive naturally. What is what is your experience with fertility in, in, in women who are coming to you with abnormalities in their cycles? You know, I I think that we have generally viewed fertility as something separate from ovulation, right? Or from our menstrual cycles. I I, I often hear that, right? I hear that a lot actually. And maybe it's less now because I think that there's more understanding these days, but I often hear uh, something along the lines of, well, I have these period problems, but I don't see how that affects my fertility. And I, I often say, well, your, your menstruation, your menstrual cycle are one in the same with your fertility. They're literally the same thing. And I had somebody say the other day, oh my gosh, I was talking about ovulation and how you really want to support ovulation. But then they were saying, but I don't want to ovulate because I don't want to potentially get pregnant. And so, you know, what do I do here? And, and so I, I think this is a the dance um, for women in our society because, I, I was saying this to you the other day to some friends in the women's health space that I was just like, you know, women are being subjected to these ridiculous procedures and IUDs and all these other things that feel a little barbaric. I actually had a doctor get annoyed with me because I said the word barbaric, but hey, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, and I, and it's really frustrating because we're, we kind of feel like this is our only option. Like we've just got to shut our fertility down and, and that's it. And then, and it'll just magically spring back into action 10, 20 yeah. years down the line. Yeah, right. And, and so this is the, the common misconception. And so the goal really is to, to, be fertile and to have a healthy menstrual cycle, but to know when you're fertile so that you don't get pregnant if that's what you're not wanting to do. Yeah. And for whatever reason that eludes us in our world, <laughs> it 
is just so hard. They've made it so hard. And, and I don't think it has to be when you think about the fact that if you're just a female body on its own, you're fertile for like up to what, maybe two days, maybe if you happen to ovulate twice in, in yeah. a cycle, uh, you know, which would produce twins just so anyone knows. Meaning the egg like... is available for a sperm to meet it for like a 24 exactly. to 48 hour period. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And so if you think of it like that, how can we possibly be taking a pill every single day or have a, you know, an IUD in our uterus for seven, eight, nine years? Mm. It, this just doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't make any sense to me, but you know, whatever. Teach their own. <laughs> and, yes, exactly. Meanwhile, men are just spitting out sperm every damn day <laughs> and, you know, they're just yep. living their best lives. Yeah. And so this, the onus of responsibility has just fallen so heavily on women. And I just think that it's really annoying and infuriating and it just feels so unfair. And I I wish that um, my wish is that we can move away from that and and move away from towards more equal shared responsibility, particularly if you're in a relationship. And if you're not, then you take your own responsibility and you don't have sex with someone who says they're not going to use a condom. Like, just don't do it. And I know that that's a very simplified way of looking at things, but I think that there's a level of personal responsibility that we all need to have. And I don't know. That might piss people off too, but it's true. Like we have to take care of ourselves. It's our job to take care of ourselves. No one else is coming to do it for us. Like this is our body, our health. And if you don't have your health, you really don't have anything. So I think that, and and that's what I see in these long-term birth control situations is that there are a million side effects and, and women are beside themselves and they don't know what to do because they just don't have the right information. So yeah. coming back to all that, I just to sum up what I just said. I really ultimately think that it's all intricately linked. You can't separate fertility from your period or your cycle. And ultimately you have to decide based on information that you glean from resources like yours or mine, uh, what is right for you. Ultimately. Yeah. 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 And I mean, the joy of the fertility awareness tracking this process of mapping out your the three components primary components are basal body temperature you mentioned that the cervical mucus consistency the cervical positions interesting and i actually never learned fertility awareness methods believe it or not when i was in training i had to study that myself i've heard That's this right. obgyns yeah. do not learn anything about cervical position or cervical mucus period <laughs> We do know that there's a bump in basal body temperature, but like, we don't know what to do with that. It's crazy. But you don't know what to do with it, right? Yeah. It's just sort of like this arbitrary thing you yeah. guys learn in yeah. med school. Well, I mean, oh and, and we also have a lot of women who've come to us and they're using like a typical thermometer or those LH testing strips. And they're like, we can't get pregnant. We're using the strips. Well, the strip is telling you that like, if you don't have sex right now, you might miss the, the window. Whereas fertility right. awareness gives you this window of like, oh, the mucus is no longer bloody. It's now no longer sticky. It's now creamier. I'm entering my fertile window. Oh, now it's egg white. I can expect that LH strip to change. But if a sperm were introduced during that period, I can get pregnant. If I'm ovulating, right. if everything else is in, is, is in order. If I don't have sex during that time, I can't get pregnant, period. So it actually is, a, 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 from, for the, from my educational standpoint, this is empowering women to do that thing, which is to be responsible for knowing when I'm going to ovulate. And therefore, if if that dude in my life puts his cum where it doesn't belong, I could get pregnant. So it gives you actually some sense as to when and uh, when to have sex if you want to get pregnant or not get pregnant. But again, it, it isn't the whole picture. It is a, a really, really important window to understand 
if you're having fertility issues or you're trying to not get pregnant. And to boot, I will also say that the two promises now for men to get involved are a birth control pill for men, which I'm going to talk about, but also vasectomies. And I'm really, really, I've got it next week's. I have to decide if I'm going to do it. And I think I'm going to do it. I'm like, I think I'm there, but, uh, it's irreversible. It's really, really hard for me to think about that. If, you know, I've had some Kundalini experts who are like, well, your Kundalini might not rise fast as fast as it would otherwise. And it's like, well, at least my wife and I can have sex and she's not carrying the burden for 20 more years of us, of our fertility window. Cause we can't seem to not get pregnant. It seems like every time we have sex, we get pregnant. So I know that's not what a lot of the other love, you know, people love to hear cause they're maybe on this journey, but yes. It is now my responsible and the responsibility in this birth control pill, since we're just like kind of shooting the breeze here, the birth control YCT529 is the name of the compound, and it works by blocking uh, vitamin A receptors, which are present in, this, in the, in the uh, uh, not the vas deferens, but the epididymis or wherever it is that sperm are made. I'm not a urologist. <laughs> well, you sound like you know what you're talking about. <laughs> Thank you. I'll just, pre- I'll just keep faking it. Yeah, that's fine. But then vitamin A receptors are also present throughout your immune system, your endocrine system, your central nervous system. I mean, they're everywhere. They're your visual yeah. centers. So it's like, I don't want to block the vitamin A because then we're kind of doing the same thing we're doing to women. And women right. might argue men should suffer a little bit. I don't want anybody to suffer. I just want us to be able to understand how this process works so that we don't have unintended pregnancies, given that our society does nothing to support single moms. Like if you're forced to have this birth, it's on you. And we and and men are like, hey, keep your legs closed or whatever. And we want to have sex whenever we want and just shoot our semen wherever we feel. And like if we just, my wife always says, if men just controlled where they put their things, we wouldn't have this issue. But men seem to not be able to take any responsibility. So this is an important conversation, and it's really worth exploring, I think, on both angles. So anyways, anything you want to comment on no, there? I, oh Some verbal God, diarrhea. I completely agree with you. No, <laughs> I, I felt the same. I, I shared about that new um, male birth control. And I, you know, and a lot of women chimed in and said, I don't want to punish men. I don't feel like we should do that to men. Right. And, uh, and I completely agree. Um, I am really curious. I, I agree. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of the vasectomies. I, I feel like those are not utilized nearly enough, but I completely understand the fear around that. I, yeah. I agree. I, I mean, there's, there's no real easy choice there. Sure. That's the thing. Right. Yeah. And it's so individualized, but then there's the, what is it? The gel? That's the gel, gel yeah. injection uh-huh. into, is it into the, the vasogel, gel? Right. Yeah, exactly. It so still, I think requires incisions. I think you still make oh. an incision in the, in the, te- in the scrotum, um, because okay. you'd have to get the gel into the vas deferens. That's why it's called vasogel. gel. So it's, okay. it's into the vas deferens, which is not your urethra. So, uh, it's apparently like a baking soda combination. I'm super interested. It's not yet on the market, but it would be reversible, which a vasectomy generally is considered irreversible, even though they can sometimes put you back together. But yeah, it is fun. It's, it is not fun. It is, uh, exciting that some of these ideas are starting to emerge because while it is a woman's responsibility, I think to understand their fertile window and perhaps maybe have to be reeducated it's more burden on the woman then to continue to monitor the cycle. And when the stuff gets flowing, the juices get flowing at night and it's like, oh, was my mucus this, I wasn't tracking it this week. I don't know. Then again, it's on them. And if a baby happens, it's going to be on them to, to have to go through a procedure or medication or to have a baby that perhaps they don't want to have, you know, they haven't been calling this in. So anyways, I mean, we could go so many different directions with that. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Let me ask you about a couple more things. Yeah. 
I have to wrap up soon. I'm so I know, sorry. I know. You've got yeah, another I, show, another uh, interviews coming up. Mm-hmm. What, what, let me just let me just open the floor. Then, is there anything else that you think is really important for women to know about your work, or about what they can do to be taking care of themselves or understanding their bodies a little bit better? Yeah, you know, I think, like I said before, I think this body literacy, this period literacy, is just is so crucial, and to just get back to basics and to to just start with one thing. I mean, truly that I I've had clients over the years say, I just chewed my food 25 times, <laughs> you know, every mouthful. Yeah, and yeah. that was a game changer for me because they made eating into a mindful practice versus just a thing sure. that they shoveled down and it became another harried thing that they did in their daytime <laughs> activities. And, and I, you know, I really do think that there's so much value in that, in, in slowing down. Can you sit outside and eat breakfast or eat lunch? Or can you just step away from your desk? Can you not be working when you're, um, when you're eating and maybe you reduce your screen time. Maybe you wear blue blocking glasses at night. Maybe you get, um, a sheet and cover your window so that you just, you have like a completely dark room so that you're maximizing melatonin production. I mean, there really are so many little things that we can do that we could just do one thing and, and that would really start to help. I mean, when you think about, uh, women who work in, uh, shift jobs, you know, work at night, their cycles are more irregular than, than those who don't do that. So clearly the circadian rhythm is connected to our menstrual cycle rhythm. Obviously it makes sense. Absolutely. And yeah. And so there are these little things. And I, I really do believe that we all have the capacity to do one or two little things to take care of ourselves and our cycles every day. Um, even if it is just two minutes or three or five minutes, I, uh, you know, I just like, I get, I have one of those little bolster, those bolsters. It's really a body pillow that I've just folded in half yeah. and I just lay down and I put on these binaural beats, the 432 Hertz music yeah. that, you know, and like, Feeling I just frequency. lay there <laughs> for like five to 10 minutes. And it is, it's, it feels profoundly healing to me. It yeah. feels like a restorative yoga class, although it's not even close, but that's, you know, something as simple as that can just be, you know, it brings down, like you said, the, the cortisol and these stress hormones that are just so built up because I really think that there are little things that we can do to support our cycles. And if we start to implement them slowly, but surely you see massive change. Yeah. You can see massive change. Like I've had clients regulate their cycles just by having a bedtime routine and going to bed an hour earlier and like going to bed by 10 PM versus 12 AM, because that is such a huge difference. I mean, that makes such a massive difference for our body's ability to, to renew itself, um, during sleep. So yeah. I think, you know, that's really what it comes down to. Like, this just doesn't have to be so hard. Your body isn't some like crazy mystery that you have to figure out. (laughs) It it actually is pretty straightforward. Yeah. So be intentional with, with how you treat yourself, be patient with the process and be kind to yourself. I think that that's really, really, uh, I think that's the takeaway for me. So thank you, Nicole, for, for doing what you do. Um, I will continue to refer people over towards your book and your programs and we're just getting to know each other. So I'm sure we'll be collaborating more in the future, but, um, for people who do want to find your, your book and your program, um, just quickly tell people what you want them to know. Yeah, for sure. Um, you can find pretty much everything on NicoleJardim.com and it's fixyourperiod.com for my book and all the booksellers, which is, you know, pretty much 
everywhere. Uh, you could find a book, <laughs> the library too, for anyone who, you know, said, you know, I've had people say, I, I can't afford to buy the book. I'm like, well, they're, they're at the library, so you can borrow them. Uh, and then my programs are all on my website. I have a podcast as well called The Period Party. Nathan has been a guest. Um, and I also am on Instagram. I'm unfortunately on TikTok too. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, you know, begrudgingly. Um, but yeah, on Instagram, I feel like that's my jam and I share a lot of imagery and things that I hope are helpful for people in understanding what's going on with our cycles. So yeah. yes, those are the places. Well, check out Nicole's work. I'm glad you told me how you say your last name. I'm pronouncing it like uh, Hardim. And that's oh, but I heard you. You know, it's funny. I was <laughs> going to say something. I was like, no, it's cool. You know, I've gotten a lot of Hardims in my life. I don't, I'm, I really don't care. <laughs> Jardin, Jardin. The Antigua yes. pronunciation. Gotcha. <laughs> it's a pretty straightforward <laughs> right pronunciation. Right on. Well, thank you so much for spending some time. Good luck today. And uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Nathan. You're so welcome. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien, alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina, alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien, alza la frente en alto. Well, I hope you liked that as much as I did. Um, you can find Nicole at NicoleJardin.com. That's N-I-C-O-L-E-J-A-R-D-I-M.com. Her podcast is called The Period Party. I totally... I can't recommend her podcast enough. She's really having some of the important conversations that I think all of us can relate to. And this is not just for women. Like periods, this conversation is not just for women. If you're a man, if you love a woman, if you've got a sister, a mother, whatever, it's important for us to understand why this is a fifth vital sign and what we might be able to do about it. So go to the Period Party podcast, follow Nicole there. Also buy her book. It's called Fix Your Period. You can buy it everywhere, but also there's a link right on her on her uh, website. I am uh, so thrilled about this interview. Lastly, please check out our, our, our sponsors, fullwellfertility.com. Use code BELOVED10 to save on the best prenatal vitamins, men's virility, vitamins, or their Nourish Nerve Tonic, their new fish oil product. Please go check them out. Also, Fit for Birth, go to getfitforbirth.com slash beloved. You'll save 20% on all of their coaching packages. Um, whether you're a person who's looking for pregnancy and postpartum specific nutrition and exercise coaching, or if you're a coach out there and you want to deepen your toolbox, this is where it's at. Men and women are not the same. They cannot be coached the same. I've been saying this for years now. So the biohacking community is great, but it's not catering to the needs of women and men specifically based on their cycles, based on their stage in life. Um, in other words, a a pregnant woman is going to require different coaching principles than a woman who's, who's menopausal. It's basic physiology and anatomy, but it isn't being taught out there to the variety of amazing coaches who are doing this work. And then lastly, Immune, immune Intel HCC, they use myceliated shiitake mushrooms to create a very elegant functional food. Take a couple capsules per day. It'll get you better. Works for skin conditions, cancer, persistent viral infections, including HPV, a wide host of benefits have been documented through clinical research. You can um, go to the medicine.com slash products, use code beloved10. You'll save your 10 self 10%. And this is especially relevant if you've got a persistent HPV infection and you are, um, I think, reasonably concerned about that not going away, your body not being able to integrate it. Myceliated, uh, the mycelia from shiitake mushrooms through Immune Intel HCC might be the answer. So support our sponsors that help us keep, you know, making the show. If you like what I'm putting out there, go to iTunes. It takes five seconds to leave five stars, and it really, really helps us rise in the rankings, continuing to attract 
important people into these conversations. If you want to work with me, go to belovedholistics.com. I can't give out any advice if it could be construed as medical advice until you join my private association. It's very easy. Go to belovedholistics.com. I take one-on-one clients, although I may be pushing that back a little bit. I'm getting overwhelmed with, with, uh, with requests for people to work with me. But if you join the PCA, you're definitely, that's the first step. So do that at belovedholistics.com. I also have packages. I got my collaborator program there for any midwives or coaches or any other type of healthcare professional that needs an MD consultant once in a while. And I think that that's it, guys. I bid you adieu. Thank you so much for tuning into the Holistic OBGYN podcast. Check out Nicole's work and I will talk to you soon. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien. Alza la frente en alto. Alza la frente en alto y camina bien.